walk as children of light. Excuse me. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's dive into this. Number one on your note sheets, the wrath of God. Make no mistake, we serve a God who is merciful, who is gracious, who is loving, who is forgiving. We also serve a God who is wrathful, who is just, and who will judge. We're not going to dive into this today, but we've talked about it before when we talked about the Bema seat, right? Christians are judged as well. It's not just unchristians that get judged. Christians' actions are judged too. It doesn't get us into heaven or not, but we are judged. All of humanity will one day be judged. All of humanity except for those that are taken by God into heaven at the rapture, those who have died in Christ already, will witness the wrath of God. God does not deal in wrath right now. I want to point that out. One of the things that we believe here at First Baptist Church, we are what is, cons- what is called dispensationalists. Okay, That means that we believe that there are different dispensations or ages in which God dealt with humanity and how God dealt with humanity. You had the Old Testament, and I'm going to break it down into three majors. There are little subcategories underneath these, but there's three major time periods. Okay, You had the Old Testament time period where God dealt with the world through Israel. Israel were his people on earth at that time. And forgiveness only came by sacrifice, right? And God did deal in wrath. Read throughout the Old Testament, and you will see God dealing in wrath with the pagans and with the Jews. It's all throughout it. Then, about 2,000 years ago, Christ came, died, and rose again for us. And a new dispensation or a new age began, and that age is the church age. Now, the church did not replace Israel as God's chosen people. The church is not, d- does not get God's promises that he made strictly to Israel. But the church is how God reveals himself to the world in today's age, and he deals in grace. It is also called the age of grace. God does not deal in wrath right now. So plagues and various things like that are not God's wrath upon this earth yet. Because the third dispensation is coming, and that's the tribulation or the end times in Revelation that we read about, where God deals solely in wrath, essentially, and pours out his wrath on the earth. So when we talk about the wrath of God, we are not talking about him destroying things like he did with Noah and various other places in scripture. But God still does have wrath. And we read there in verse 6 that one of the key ways to incite, if you will, God's wrath is to have empty words. We talked about it a lot over these past couple of weeks, right? Watch what comes out of your mouth. It's almost like Paul knew that the words that we say carry a lot more weight than the things that we do. 
And he spoke multiple places in his letters, and now in multiple sections here in these past couple of, of chapters, about watching what you say. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Let's put it in a couple different contexts. Don't let the preacher deceive you by him or her standing up there and preaching about prosperity gospel. That brings God's wrath. Now you might say, it doesn't seem like, and I'm going to name a couple of names here, they're not going to hear it anyway. It might seem like somebody like Joel Osteen doesn't get any wrath from God, right? It's coming one day. I'm not saying Joel Osteen won't be in heaven. I've never met him. And preaching prosperity gospel is not what sends you to hell. I don't know. I've never met him. Can't tell you. But those are empty words, and he has led thousands, if not millions, of people astray in their beliefs. That's not to say that God doesn't cause us to prosper and bless us, but it's not always in money. In fact, it's rarely in monetary value, right? Don't let... Manny and I have been talking because we've got a lot of friends that are having kids. Now, let me say this. Maddie and I are not planning on having kids in the near future. We want to have kids one day. We've been married seven months. We're going to give it a little bit first, right? But we've, we've, we've had a lot of conversations because we see a lot of our friends that are married and stuff starting to have kids, right? And so Maddie and I have talked about things, and I've told her, she goes, if you get your choice, what do you want? And I said, well, you know, I want to have three or four, and I don't want to have all of one gender, but I really, really, really want a girl that I will be wrapped around her finger, and it's great, and I can't wait. But I was also thinking about this, and I told her, I said, will I have the quintessential conversation about, hey, come on in, son. You take my girl out, that's all right. When you get back, I'll probably still be up. It takes a couple hours to clean this gun. <laughs> I probably won't have that conversation exactly. But you better believe that the first time my little girl brings a boy home, or the hundredth time should it get to that point, I'm going to have a conversation with him. Because no one's going to hurt my little girl. Now, that doesn't mean you don't break up with her, because if it's not right, then that's, you shouldn't get married. But... I'm not going to, I'm going to do my best to protect my daughter, should I have her, from men that speak empty words and promises to her and cause her to believe something about them that is not true. Those are empty words. Our society is full of empty words and promises nowadays. It always has been. And God says, don't be deceived by them. And you don't say them either. We said it last week. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Don't use silly, foolish talk. Speak truth. That doesn't mean don't tell jokes, right? I love jokes. That's not what it's talking about there. But watch what you say that you're not deceiving people into believing things that just aren't true. Because that brings the wrath of God onto the sons of disobedience. That's another term in scripture that's used to mean the unsaved right? Gentiles in the New Testament and stuff like that. When it's, it's just another term to mean those that are not under Christ. Watch what comes out of your mouth. Because here's the thing, church. I said the wrath of God, uh, this, this world is not yet seeing the wrath of God, right? And we still have war and famine and plagues and all this stuff, right? 
Can you imagine what the wrath of God looks like? You don't want it on you. So watch what you say. So that's the wrath of God. Number two here, how to walk. How to walk. The title of the sermon, right, was Darkness to Light. And here's where uh, Paul begins to talk about this. Down in verse 8 here. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. I skipped to verse 9 there. We're going to go back to it. But that's a, a parenthetical, a paraphrase, right? It's almost like an aside. The sentence is, walk as children of light, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. I'm a huge fan of a ton of lights on a Christmas tree. I want that thing so bright that some people might be afraid it's going to light on fire. It won't. I use LEDs. I'm also a fan of when I'm eating, I don't want to eat in the dark. Like, I don't understand. Like, right, you watch movies or whatever, and romantic dinners are always like, here's one candle in this large room. God bless you. In this large room, you can't even see what you're eating. You can't see the person sitting across from you. How is that romantic? I don't know. But I tell you what, if Maddie wants me to make her a candlelit dinner, I'll do it and just eat my food in peace, right? I like to turn the lights on. But it's amazing to me as well how much one light changes the entire complexion of something. I mentioned last week when we were talking about scents that I love candles. I've been told by a myriad of people that I'm just an old woman stuck in a young man's body because I love cats I love knickknacks, and I love candles. I don't apologize. But I just love to leave a one candle lit sometimes in a dark room, and it's amazing how much that tiny flame lights up the whole room. Now, I'm not saying that you can see perfectly, as if you had the overhead light on, but that's what we were called to be. See, we used to be the people that gave darkness out, but not anymore. Because you have light in you, and that light is God. And here's another thing. Have you ever tried to find the shadow of a flame? It doesn't exist. Light causes no shadows. You don't cause shadow anymore when you're in Christ. Because it is not you that is shining. Read it right there, right? You are now light in the Lord. That light of God is what's shining through you, and that's what we're called to be. So Paul says, let's talk about it first. First off... All of us were darkness, everybody, not a soul besides Christ, was not dark. It's important that we remember that because some of us have been Christians for a really long time and we forget from whence we came. All of us were darkness, but you and I are supposed to be the conduits of light because we've been given that light. Parts of the things of light, right, we talked about that it drives away darkness, you and I as Christians, are supposed to expose darkness. He continues on down in those verses there, in uh, verse 11. Do not participate in unfruitful deeds, but instead even expose them. You are light. Light is not drowned out by darkness. Darkness is drowned out by light. Your job is to expose the deeds done in the dark. Now, I'm not saying that you should just run around screaming and being like, hi, you're doing darkness. No, no. We have love in us as well. One day, I told my mom this. One day, this story, I will find a way to not, somehow this story won't work. But it seems like it does for everything. One of, if not my favorite story in all of scripture, right, is the story of the woman at the well. 
because it works for everything. It shows us exactly how we're supposed to live as Christ. Christ exposes the darkness in this woman. But he does not make her feel like all she is is darkness. In fact, he shows her what light is and says, you can have it too. Our job is not to just expose darkness and go, ha, and walk away. Because all we've done is make it worse. Our job is to expose darkness and say, here's the light. Because when you take the candle out of the room, what happens to the room? It goes dark again. But if you use that candle to light another candle, and then the one candle leaves, but the other candle's still there, does the room get dark again? No, it doesn't. Because you not only expose darkness, you created more light. You gave God's light to somebody else. As well, did the candle that you used to light the other candle somehow lose flame? Nope. It's still just as full. Our job is to expose it. And then he continues on there in verse 12. For it is disgraceful even to speak of things which are done by them in secret. And you might say, now pastor, how are we supposed to expose it if we can't even talk about it? Don't gossip about it. Right? We talked about it last week. Don't be like, oh, Jill's daughter Jen. She's got a problem. That's not doing anything. Yeah, you exposed the darkness, but you didn't light a candle. All you did was expose it and then leave. It's better to not say anything at all than to create more darkness by sinning. It's best to expose it and light another candle. That's what Paul is saying there. He's saying, listen, here are your three options. You can either do absolutely nothing. You can walk in, show, look at all this darkness, and leave. Or you can walk in and say, look at all this darkness. I better create more light and work to create more light, allow God to create more light. It's the best option is that one. The worst option is to walk in and then walk out without having done anything. Then in verse 14, we read this little thing, and usually when scripture's like that, it's in quotes and kind of indented and stuff in your Bibles, it's a, it's a reference to another scripture, right? This is not actually. It is believed that this was a portion of an early church hymn or song, right? Now, that first verse, Awake the Sleeper, does come from Romans chapter 13, that idea, as well as other places in Scripture, but the rest of those words do not. So we've, it's believed that verse 14 is another, it's a song, right? Awake the sleeper and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. One of the most popular things in culture over these past five, six, seven, eight years or so has been zombies, Right? The undead come back to animation life. They're not really alive, but, you know. Here's the thing, church. We can be zombies because we were dead and we're brought back to life. But if you just stay there and you stay asleep, you're not doing anything. Our job is not to just remain in the grave once Christ has made us alive again. We are supposed to get up. We are supposed to go out. We are supposed to be light. Awake, sleeper. Arise. It's in action. One of Satan's biggest jobs that he tries to do, and he's very, very good at it, is to lull Christians to sleep and then keep them there because you're useless when you're asleep. I'm not talking physical sleep, right? We all need our physical sleep. God created us that way. I'm talking about a spiritual sleep. 
And there are ways that God, that, that, uh, excuse me, that Satan does this. He will send tribulation after tribulation after tribulation at you until you say, fine, I give up. I'm beat up. I'm tired. And you're done. And you'll notice when that happens, you stop getting trials and tribulations. Why? Because trials and tribulations are also one of the best ways to wake up a sleeper. If somebody's asleep and you leave them there, they usually stay asleep. If you walk over and start shaking them, they usually wake up. Unless they're my sister Christina, who could sleep through a hurricane. But right, so you go to sleep. Trials and tribulations can put you to sleep. But they also can wake you up from that slumber. And a Christian who has been lulled to sleep, one, usually does not know they've been lulled to sleep. Still go to church. They'll still sing the songs. They might even still do a devotional, right? Help out at the potlucks, all that stuff, right? But inside, they're dead. There's no fire that's burning there. Just a tiny little ember. Because God doesn't leave when you're lulled to sleep, right? As a Christian, we, we believe here that you don't lose your salvation. So that ember is still there. It's low. But man, it could be fanned into a flame. I want to tell you this morning, church, all of you, and I'm including myself in this, if you have not already, will be at some point lulled to sleep. We're human. But the fire is still there. It's low. It's not very warm yet. But it's still there in the corner of your heart, waiting to be fanned, excuse me, to be fanned, fanned anew. God's real good at waking up sleepers. But here's the thing. He can't, well, he could. He doesn't force you awake. He'll throw everything at you trying to get your attention. He'll take everything from you trying to get your attention. But it's up to you to decide, yeah, I want to fan this spark into a flame. I believe we can all look back on times that we were on fire. We're all old enough to have been there. We can look back on these times when we were on fire, when we were walking as children of light. It's hard. It's difficult. It can hurt. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it can hurt. But man, is it the best feeling in the world. We have faced, as a church, we have faced a lot of tribulation in the three-ish years that I have been here. And I don't hide that it's because we walked in and said, let's shake this up a bit. Satan doesn't like it when things are shaken up because that doesn't let us sleep. Milford, Great Bend, Halstead, Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania, United States of America has been lulled to sleep years ago. Satan doesn't like it that it's starting to wake up again. Trials and tribulations will come. So get up and start working. You were made a child of light. God works through you and I to light more candles. If you've ever been to our Christmas Eve service, we do a candlelight. And I do it this way on purpose, that it starts with two people. Usually me, because I'm already holding one. But it doesn't have to start with me. And one other person. And we light. And then we light the person next to us. And they light the person next to them. And by the end, we've got a ring of light that darkness cannot penetrate. That is what we are called to be. But the only way you'll get there is if you get up and wake up and start going. 
that candle's not gone out. Just needs a little bit of a, to get it going again. Here's the last thing before we're done. Just because the candle is burning low, sometimes you need a little help getting it going again. Christians, it's our job to help other Christians as well. Not just the unsaved. It's not just our job to light the candle of the unsaved, to show them what light is, right? We can't actually light their candle. They've got to make that choice. But it's also our job to help our other brothers and sisters whose flames have burned real low, to help them. Not to go up to them and be like, look at all that I have done. But to go up to them and be like, look at Christ. Awake, arise. Here's the light. You haven't forgotten, but man, you've closed your eyes. Open them back up. It hurts when you open your eyes to light at first, but then you can see, and man, is it way better than that darkness. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you that you don't leave us in darkness, that you created the sun, that you created the stars and the moon so that even at nighttime we have light. You created us to be your light in this dark world. Father, I pray that you would help us to be that light, that we would burn bright for you, That when we walk into a place, the whole atmosphere changes because the darkness is driven away because your light shines through us. Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters whose flames are getting real low, that you would fan that spark, that you would use us, use circumstances and such to to, to fan that flame back into a burning inferno. And Father, I pray for us whose flames are burning that you would protect us. As the old adage song goes, right? Don't let Satan it out. I pray that you would protect us from that. But that you would give us opportunities to light other flames. We praise you, Father. We love you. Give us safe travels on our way home, Father. And it's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen and amen.